morning. Our scripture this morning is from Ezekiel chapter 8. In the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day, while I was sitting in my house and the elders of Judah were sitting before me, the hand of the sovereign Lord came on me there. I looked and I saw a figure like that of a man. From what appeared to be his waist down, he was like fire. And from there up, his appearance was as bright as glowing metal. He stretched out what looked like a hand and took me by the hair of my head. The Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, and in visions of God he took me to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate in the inner court, where the idol that provokes to jealousy stood. And there before me was the glory of the God of Israel, as in the vision I had seen in the plain. Then he said to me, Son of man, look towards the north. So I looked, and in the entrance north of the gate of the altar, I saw this idol of jealousy. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The utterly detestable things the Israelites are doing here, things that will drive me far from my sanctuary? But you will see things that are even more detestable. Then he brought me to the entrance to the court. I looked, and I saw a hole in the wall. He said to me, Son of man, now dig into the wall. So I dug into the wall and saw a doorway there. He said to me, Go in and see the wicked and detestable things they are doing here. So I went in and looked, and I saw portrayed all over the walls all kinds of crawling things and unclean animals and all the idols of Israel. In front of them stood 70 elders of Israel, and Jezaniah, son of Zaphon, was standing among them. Each had a censer in his hand, and a fragrant cloud of incense was rising. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness, each at the shrine of his own idol? They say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Again, he said, You will see them doing things that are even more detestable. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. I saw a woman sitting there mourning the god Tammuz. And he said to me, Do you see this, son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. Then he brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord. And there at the entrance to the temple, between the portico and the altar, were about 25 men. With their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, they were bowing down to the sun in the east. He said to me, Have you seen this, son of man? Is it a trivial matter for the people of Israel to do these detestable things they are doing here? Must they also fill the land with violence and continually arouse my anger? Look at them putting the branch in their nose. Therefore, I will deal with them in anger. I will not look on them with pity or spare them. Although they shout in my ears, I will not listen to them. Once again, good morning, God's family. It's always joy to see people playing without masks, right? And some of you have even dropped the invisible masks. So praise God for that. And uh, okay, here it is. Happy Father's Day to all dads, both physical as well as spiritual dads. And uh, at least today you can pretend 
that you are the boss of your household. <laughs> Last month, my dad died in India at the age of 84. He served the Lord faithfully for 60 plus years. He developed dozens of pastors, planted dozens of churches, and brought hundreds of people to Jesus personally. And he was an unsung hero with a life full of simplicity, faith, commitment, and sacrifice. I'm proud to be his son. I couldn't say um, Happy Father's Day to him, but I'm proud. And I couldn't uh, uh, travel to India to be with him in his last days or um, be at his funeral because of the travel restrictions and immigration limitations I had. But Pastor Nick Gibson and uh, some of you uh, visited, uh, visited my house with uh, flowers and cards of condolences and uh, words of encouragement. And I have a great family here. I just want to say thank you for being a family and you stood with me in my grief. And uh, the second day after my dad's burial, um, my family members, about 12 of them, they all were COVID positive. Some of them went into hospital because of the severity of the problem and uh, uh, some of them needed oxygen and uh, you all fervently prayed for all of them. And some of you have generously given to pay for their medical bills and take care of their uh, needs. And thank you so much. And I couldn't uh, say enough how much I'm grateful. And I was telling the other day to my staff, if there is any heart attack issue in my life, that would be with heavy gratitude in my heart for what you do here. And also the second wave of coronavirus uh, uh, killed thousands of people in the last two months and uh, half a million people were tested positive every day. And uh, there were so many dead bodies floating in the rivers because they didn't even have firewood to burn the dead bodies. So uh, we were able to go and help these families uh, in need when they are uh, quarantining and then nobody visit them and then we go and give them boxes of groceries and uh, uh, financial gifts and water bottles, masks and sanitizers and we have been doing it in seven states of India and uh, most of the generosity is coming from High Point and I'm truly grateful for being a missional church. I just want to tell you that you need to be thanked. It's not just I'm here to be thankful to you but I wanted to say I'm proud of you. And there is no country on earth like the USA that is more outgoing, more embracing the suffering and uh, marginalized communities around the world. So I'm immensely grateful to you for what you do, being here and touching the lives elsewhere. And don't be surprised when you get to heaven, you will have millions of millions of eternal friends running into you and say, thank you for what you have done. Now let's uh, get back to the uh, word of God. We have been studying the book of Ezekiel and learning how the chosen people of Israel provoked God time and again with their distrust, distractions, and disobedience. Last week, Pastor Nick talked about the fundamental condition of the human heart and how we are prone to wander. Today, we are looking at chapter 8, 
of the book of Ezekiel and seeing how Ezekiel responds to what God was trying to show him. And we will see there, Ezekiel sees a second vision in which God transports him back to Jerusalem to show the spiritual condition of the people living there. By this time, by this time there are some people back in Jerusalem and they still have their temple to worship. They are living in their homes, but they are not grateful, but they have chosen to worship the pagan gods because they were all distracted by the pagan cultures around them. And they were kind of uh, worshiping sun god, worshiping idols, and worshiping snakes, lizards, and every imagination of their heart other than God. Let me read a couple of verses for us. Ezekiel chapter 8 verses 7 through 11. Next I was taken to the entrance of the courtyard where I saw a hole. That means crack or gapping hole in the wall. God said make this hole bigger. And when I did I realized it was a doorway. Go in God said and see what horrible and evil things the people are doing. Inside I saw that the walls were covered with the pictures of reptiles, that is snakes and lizards, and disgusting unclean animals as well as with idols that the Israelites were worshiping. And verse 7, verse 11, 70 Israelite elders were standing there, including Zaznia, son of Shaphan. And if you keep reading into verse 12, God tells Ezekiel how they made up their mind to continue in their sin. God tells them they blamed God for their problems. They were the people who abandoned God, went after the idols, but they say God has abandoned them. That was the excuse they have to continue in their sin. And they again say that God does not see us. Because God has left us, so God does not see us. In other words, God has left us, so he wouldn't mind whatever we do. He wouldn't mind, we just we can continue in whatever we do. So while God was showing what's going on in the temple, God becomes very emotional in his heart and tells Ezekiel, son of man, look at this place, look at this place, everything is filled with the evil things. I cannot bear it anymore. And then he asks in verse 17, son of man, why is it that the people of Judah take me so lightly? And they have seen the miracles. They have seen everything of my power. But now, they take me so lightly. And then he says, I'm not going to listen to them anymore. I'm tired enough. Eleven years after this vision, Nebuchadnezzar comes back with the powerful army, clears this city and destroys the temple and they have no more temple even to worship God anymore. Fast forward, Jesus comes and the church is established and many of the Jewish people become Christians and worship the Lord but they haven't forgotten the idol worship in the church. 
they began to bring even the idols and the images into even the church worship the body of Christ was still struggling in the first century that's what Paul tells to Corinthians in chapter 10 verses 6 through 12 now these things occur as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did now look at this this is an example for us so do not be idolaters as some of them were Verse 12, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. What a warning that he gives here. He's saying we are not different from the people of Israel who often provoked God with their distractions and disobedience. And he exhorts us that we should be watchmen to ourselves. We should feel accountable for our own soul. Sometimes we may be thinking we are not idol worshippers like any other countries like India. Because we do not worship idols made of uh, wood, stone, or other things. But we have our own idols. Right? So anything that fills your heart other than God is an idol of something that hinders God's glory in your heart. Anything. Whether that is a comfort, whether that is pride, whether that is your greed for things in the world, anything that takes your focus away from God is an idol in your life. So today, I want to talk about how we can build a firewall against all idolatry. How do we build a firewall in our hearts? Here are four areas where we can build our antivirus software in our hearts. First, acknowledge God's sovereignty in every area of your life. You know, one clear message Ezekiel repeats, repeats in his book that God, God tells him, Time and again, at least 70 times he repeated that the people of Israel would know that he is the Lord. He is the Lord. That is the thing. That is the message. They have seen or heard the power of God, but they haven't acknowledged God fully in their hearts. So they were a people of faith, but they were not a people full of faith. That's the difference. We are not called to be just a people of faith, but we are called to be a people full of faith. It is faith that determines how much you know God, how much you venerate Him, how much you give yourself to Him. It is your faith. If you fail to do that, that means you are minimizing the very power of God in you. And then you blame God to have abandoned you. That is what is happening with the church around the world. This is what John Piper said once. If you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with the street light. If you have never felt thunder and lightning, you'll be impressed with the fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you will fall in love with the world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. In other words, giving a higher place in your heart to something else other than God, is to minimize the sovereignty, power, 
and authority of God over you. So, make Jesus the president of your life, not just the resident in your heart. Most of us wanted Jesus to be resident in our hearts, but we control our, our life and also control Jesus in us. And we are afraid to give our life completely to the hands of God because we are afraid that he might make drastic changes in the way we conduct our lives. We don't want that. Let me move on. And second one, do not let your pain and suffering separate or distract you from God. This is very important. Your pain and suffering should draw you closer to God rather than push you far from God. When you go through pain and suffering, you get tempted to think that God has lost his power because you don't immediately see your questions answered, your problems solved. That is how the people of Israel led astray because they were looking for immediate answers and they didn't have patience. And then they were saying, God is not with us. Sometimes when your problem looks bigger than God, that is when you subconsciously give attention to something else that would distract you and finally overtake you. You know what happened in India when the first wave of coronavirus hit my country in India? And uh, last year in April, Prime Minister Modi called citizens to turn off the lights for nine minutes and ring the bells. Probably he wants to confuse the virus. But the recent second wave of coronavirus actually became so powerful, thousands of people died, and the problem became bigger and bigger and bigger that they couldn't control it anymore. And they began to lie in the media with the numbers. And now ultimately coronavirus has become a god in India. Do you know that now we have temples for coronavirus? Your problem cannot be your God. Your sin cannot be your savior. Amen. Your distraction cannot take you long. It will help you a bit, but I'm telling you, it's going to be very hard to come back. That is how distractions will do. That's what happened to people of Judah who gave themselves to the, to the solutions outside. And third, Look to the Lord first, even if you are likely to find a solution in the world. This is very important. Look to the Lord first, even if you are likely to find a solution in the world. You know, his lights were off and surrounded by people of pagan faith and pagan practices. And because of their influence, they were kind of convinced to believing that they are almost equal to their Yahweh are more than Yahweh, and then they gave themselves to their gods. You know what happened in 1 Samuel? People of Israel come to Prophet Samuel and ask him to make them a king because they want to look like 
everybody else that is the temptation because you are surrounded by people of different culture you want to keep up with them so therefore you wanted to follow their practices to compete them that is what Israelites were doing in first Samuel chapter 8 they go and ask give us a king so that we'll be like everybody else and then God says I have been your king for thousand years you don't need a king and you know, they did not have a blacksmith in the whole of Israel for about 900 plus years because there is no need of weapons to fight. There was no blacksmith. They were actually borrowing tools from Philistines, actually. They were even going to enemies to sharpen the little tools they had. God intentionally did not give them a skill of blacksmith in the whole of Israel because he wants to tell them, I am the true God for you. I will fight all the battles for you. You don't have to look into the world for your solutions. So sad that they looked for victory and glory in the world rather than in the heavenly Father, God who came down and chose them to help them. This is what Corey Boom said. Corey Boom was a, a, a Dutch Christian writer who actually brought so many prisoners to Jesus. This is what she said, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. So we must seek God in the deepest areas of our life. And the final message I have is install firewall protection in your heart. This is very, very important for us. <clears throat> we are so obsessed with the security of our temporal things. Literally billions, billions, and billions of dollars are spent every year on home security system, homeland security system, cyber security system, computer security, family security, car security, extended warranty. <laughs> we don't do anything for our soul. What's going on with us, people? We don't have a firewall protection in our heart. We are running after the temporal things. We do not have a spiritual malware protection in our hearts against every compromising thing that is pushed into us. No matter how much you know theology, no matter how much better you can analyze God's word, if you do not have a firewall protection in your heart, you're done. That is the severity of the world we are living in. The culture we are living in is changing at fast rate. We do not have, we do not have any home field advantage of being a culture that is built on Judeo-Christian principles with the freedom to worship in the public places, with the freedom to plant crosses in the public places, with the freedom to hang Ten Commandments in the public offices. We do not have any of those home field advantage anymore. Christian worldview is no more normative in this country. We are running after a culture of secular humanism, progressivism, multiculturalism, atheism, and you name it. This culture is constantly rejecting and resisting the Christian culture because they do not want to see 
good change happening in the society. It doesn't make you any better if you switch between conservatism and progressivism. A couple of years ago, someone came to me and asked whether I'm a progressive or conservative. And I said, I am progressively conservative, conservatively progressive. <laughs> he, he said, that's a great answer, and he left me. <laughs> we have to constantly upgrade the firewall in our hearts so that we will withstand all the malware that has been trafficked into our lives day after day with the changing philosophies, social media, and everything else. Do not exchange your faith, your eternal faith, for the temporal things, my friends. You know, when you open Facebook, there are so many things that push into your heart. And recently, I was looking at Facebook, and I saw so many ads. Do you want to be a witchcraft man? You can learn in five minutes. Witchcraft? Who wants this? But they're pushing it, you know, some ideas. You want to become slim? So they have so many things that constantly batter you with. So Paul tells in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Then you will be able to test or detect the malware that is subtly entering into your heart, infecting your life, and, you know, it will help you not to bypass God's will. You know, I often remind myself of two, myself of two people in the Bible so that I'll be careful. First one is Samson, who was an anointed servant of God in the book of Judges. He lived side by side with the pagan Philistines. He had all sorts of temptations. When their influence was gradually infecting his heart, he turned himself towards the temporal things of the world, and he died as a blind man. One of the saddest verses in the scriptures that you see is in chapter 16, verse 20, where the word of God says, he did not know that the Lord had left him. What a saddest thing. He was uh, powerful among Philistines, carrying the flag of God, but now he did not even know that the Lord had left him. The other person is uh, Daniel, who was carried into Babylon. And he was carried into a strange culture. He was given a strange name. He was given a pagan education. And he was pushed on every side to adapt to the situation around him. But he said to himself, I will not defile myself. I will not defile myself. That is such a great standard for me to look at him often and see how much dedication Daniel had. And I often remind myself of my dad. My dad resigned his police officer job and he lived like a very simple man. And he didn't build a house until he was 65. I'm not saying building house or having good houses is wrong. Don't misunderstand me and propagate I'm a wrong theologian. I'm not saying that. He used to go to the public places, the drain areas, he used to fill that with mud and cut the branches of coconut tree and then, you know, he used to make shelters and live there and then start church and leave. And when the Lord blessed me, I built them a two-bedroom house. And in one of the bedrooms, I put air conditioning and I told my dad, Dad, you are already old enough. You have never enjoyed yourself. Would you please 
would you please sleep in this air conditioning room and take rest and enjoy life? Let me tell you, he never slept even five minutes in that room, air conditioning room. He was afraid that sometimes he might eventually create further cravings for himself in life if he enjoyed that air conditioning. And I thought he was the foolish person on earth to say that or to think that way. And after his death, I began to reflect and think that I was the most foolish to think him that way. And he has his reward. And now God asked Ezekiel, dig through the wall. There is a hole there. If you find any hole in your spiritual wall, God is asking you to dig through and make it bigger and see where you are at. What's going on? Sometimes you do not know why you are sad, why you are struggling, why your heart pains, because there is a hole. Dig deeper inside and find out why it is happening. What sort of idols are stealing your joy in your life? It could be pride, it could be racism, it could be anger, it could be distrust, it could be distraction or subconscious hypocrisy. Whatever idol it may be, the Lord wants you to come and confess before him. This is what David said in Psalms 139 verses 23 and 124. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of fasting. When was the last time you prayed that prayer? Lord, dig deeper into me. Show me what's going on inside. When was the last time you prayed? May the Lord give us that passion to really ask the Lord, God, give me, give me a reason to live a reason to live a purposeful life. Shall we pray? Father, we are so grateful to you for who you are, for the way you allow us to think towards your heaven, more permanent things than temporal things. God, we want you to give us patience and give us passion to install antivirus in our heart against all viruses that are pushed into our hearts through cultural philosophies and other consumeristic attitudes. God, just give us grace so that we will, we will not be like Israelites, but we will be careful and we don't fall. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.